Axis Mundi. You're listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from our amazing lineup of creators. Hello, friends. Before we jump in today, wanted to say thank you to all of you for your support, all of our patrons and uh, people who reach out to us. Uh, we are immensely grateful, and you uh, definitely make this show go. In the new year, we're looking forward to uh, continuing the show and doing it three times a week. But uh, we're basically in a place where we need to continue to uh, raise revenue and, and uh, raise money in order to do that. For Dan and I, uh, this is a passion project. It's something that takes up a lot of time, especially, especially for me. I'm the writer, the producer, uh, the interviewer, uh, the editor, and all of those things. And so uh, with a newborn and uh, with job responsibilities and all kinds of other things, both Dan and I are basically staring down a, uh, a scenario where we need to kind of figure out how we can balance all of those obligations with the time it takes to do this show, uh, not just once, not just twice, but three times a week. And so um, if you have not uh, thought about becoming a, p- a patron yet, um, please think about that today. Or if you would like just an ad-free experience without having to sign up for Patreon and all that stuff, you can find that uh, in our show notes as well. It would really help us. Uh, it would really help us continue to do this work. Uh, we love it, but it is uh, immensely time-consuming. One of the things we hope to do is hire an editor, uh, which would take a lot of burden off of me and uh, allow me to focus on content and to interviewing uh, great scholars and journalists and to formulating uh, further uh, series and, uh, and, and documentaries. And if none of that's possible, we, co- we totally understand. We would hope that you would uh, perhaps stop by uh, Apple Podcasts and give us a review. Um, it helps us out immensely and share all of our stuff on social media. Uh, that helps too. Thanks for being here. And I'll, we'll turn now to today's interview. Welcome to Straight White American Jesus. My name is Brad Onishi, faculty uh, at the University of San Francisco. Sorry, y'all. It's been a long week. I'm tired. Forgot where I work, I guess. Uh, our show is also in a partnership with the CAP Center, UCSB. And uh, I'm here today joined by uh, Mark Fugit, who is a historical theologian, pastor, uh, professor at various places, including Missouri State University, teaches widely philosophy, religion, theology, and so on. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, some great research you've done and a paper you just gave at the uh, annual meeting of the American Academy of Religion on uh, a vaccine movement, or I should say an anti-vaccine movement in uh, evangelical and conservative Christian circles that's been building for a long time. So let me just stop and say, Mark, thanks for joining me. You bet. Thanks for having me. We're recording here sort of in the run-up to Christmas and, and the holidays. And so, friends, we've had a bunch of schedules and reschedules and many calamities and other things. So Mark has, has graciously sort of hung in there with all of the different times we were trying to make make all this happen. So, uh, all right. So I need to start by saying this, Mark. Uh, your paper made me eat crow. And that is because uh, I grew up in what, what you call in your paper a name brand evangelical church. And I didn't hear from my pulpit and I didn't hear from the radio and other places a kind of anti-vaccine sentiment. Now, that doesn't mean there weren't people in the pews next to me who had an anti-vaccine sentiment, but my experience was not one where I ever heard a teacher or a preacher tell me, hey, uh, you know, that measles vaccine is 
is from Satan, or if you go to the doctor, you need to be careful about what they give you. And so there have been several times on the show when I have said, hey, you know, this, this opposition to the COVID vaccine on the part of evangelicals and other conservative Christians is seemingly new, uh, or at least it's, it's just kind of coming out of uh, the current political context rather than a, a kind of long tradition of anti-vaccine teachings. Reading your work made me realize, I, I think I came to that conclusion way too quickly and way too blithely. And so what you've done in your paper is really provide us uh, a kind of, you know, unfortunately, a buffet of anti-vaccine sources that developed over the last half century and uh, wonder if we can just go through those. Uh, does that make sense to you? I mean, do you do you feel like you're when you present this kind of work, other people have the kind of reaction I had? Yeah, by all means. And this has been something I've been watching, of course, like you for the last couple of years. And one of the reasons I wanted to write this, I think a couple of years ago, I or about a year and a half ago, I saw a Twitter post with somebody just kind of basically echoing what you just said. And I thought there is something a lot, lot deeper there that goes back farther. And of course, like you said, my experience is similar. I didn't hear this preached from the pulpit or I didn't hear this taught, but I was exposed to a lot of these influences. And I think that's my point here. When respected voices from our past, from our experiences have made these suggestions, what was just um, maybe on the back of our minds or on the fringe of our minds, now it had a little, it had a little resonance now whenever somebody says, oh, this is a thing. And so, yeah, the big point of my paper is that it's basically this moment now is an intersection of all these ideas, not an initiation of these ideas. And so it, it's it's important to look at this back history to see how, how come the anti-vaccine movement, at least among Christians, got going so quickly. I think yeah. that's what surprises people so much now, so many writers, that it just took off. Well, it didn't just come out of nowhere. No, that yeah, that's well said. And you, you begin the paper with some statistics that I've actually cited on the show, which which are from PRRI. And those statistics yeah. are basically revealing that counties with greater shares of white evangelical Protestants have lower rates of vaccination. And and I don't think people listening will be surprised by that. Yeah. Uh, counties with greater shares of religious, religiously unaffiliated people, people who are in the category of the nun, have higher rates of vaccination. So it seems as if if you're in a county with more white evangelical Protestants, less people will be vaccinated. Okay, so the question is, as you just sort of outlined, where did this come from? How did the anti-COVID vaccine movement get going and pick up steam so quickly? Because it's now, uh, and I think you hint, hinted this at the end of the paper, and hopefully we can get into it, is it's now providing a, a nexus for connections across uh, groups. So, you know, when Sean Foyt, is leading worship rallies with the Proud Boys sort of standing nearby. And the Proud Boys are standing at anti-vax, uh, uh, alongside anti-vaccination parents at school board meetings. You're starting to see some of these like groups really start to form a coalition, right? And so the question is, how did all of that happen so quickly? So let's just go through a list. I mean, you provide in the paper such an, an unfortunately extensive list. The first is the Christian wellness movement. And so there's going to be folks out there that are like, what is that? You know, what is a Christian wellness movement and how does it lead to anti-vax sentiment? Yeah, the Christian wellness movement is one of those things that um, we've, if, you, if you've spent any time in a church, you've certainly encountered it. This idea that um, God wants you to be well physically. And, and of course, that's a great sentiment, but it's how we interpret that, right? What do we do with that? And so you see a lot of things over the last couple of decades or more 
um, that really emphasize this idea of spiritual wellness being connected to physical wellness, whether it's uh, diets of the Bible. I remember, you know, different books in the church libraries when I was a kid, it was more diets of the Bible, eat these things. Uh, here's a recipe that we found in Exodus and we're going to make it somehow. So those types of things have been around. You see it a little bit more now in the last, uh, before COVID, but in the last while where people are really extrapolating wellness ideas directly from verses. I think in the paper, I quote one Bible study leader online who interprets a verse from Isaiah that uh, in in one translation says, my people will live as long as trees. And she then takes that and says, God wants us to live long. And so then she thus is able to open doors to all these different wellness ideas. And I think that's the notion that we're really seeing. Um, We're also seeing this push to alternative medicines this desire to find some secret knowledge, something more than what a doctor will tell us. And um, a lot of sources have been talking about this for years, that that doctors that deal with Christians need to be aware of alternative therapies because chances are Christians are going to have heard about these. And so they'll need to have, be able to respond to those, those uh, alternative treatment ideas. And, uh, of course, this goes into a lot with vaccines over the last few years, specifically with parents and this biblical notion that the parents know best, which is a great idea to emphasize personal responsibility. But it also then uh, carries this potentially harmful thing when it goes into the parent knows better than the doctor. And we see a lot of that in writings coming up to this this moment. And... uh, it's really strange to read a lot of books by doctors and a lot of articles by doctors in the years prior to COVID because they read almost like prophecy in the fact that they're saying, hey, this is a problem. This is a trend. And now we're seeing it happen on a much bigger scale when the stakes are a lot higher. And I think that's the most profound difference now. We always shrugged our shoulders before when there'd be a measles outbreak or something and it would be isolated. And of course, COVID didn't go away. Thanks for listening to this free preview of our Swag episode. In order to get access to the full episode and so much more, become a Straight White American Jesus premium subscriber by clicking the link in the show notes. It'll take you like two clicks, I promise. In addition to getting access to this episode, you'll have access to the entire Swag archive, over 550 episodes. You'll also get an extra episode every month, ad-free listening, Discord access, and so much more. All that for less than six bucks a month, and it helps us keep our flag up and continue to safeguard democracy from religious nationalism, extremism, and rising authoritarianism. Check it out. It's not hard, I promise.